In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thanks so much for joining us, and happy Friday, everybody. Woohoo! Let's meet the crew. I'm Brett Molina. I play video games. And the best thing I did this year was buy a house. I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies, and the best thing I did was keep my job. Congratulations, but buddy. Even, uh, but the year's not over yet, so they can still fire me. So. <laughs> well, we'll see. Knock we'll on, see what happens. Knock on table. Knock on we'll table. We'll see what happens. Knock on table. Fingers crossed, everybody. Uh, <laughs> I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and the best thing I did this year was get married. Wow, this is like a milestone year. I Amazing. Know. House, House marriage. Babies. You kept your job. I we... did all that shit, man. Marriage. <laughs> Adulting. <laughs> Fun times. Fun times. If this is your first time listening, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. While you're on Apple Podcasts, wouldn't it make our year if you could write a quick review about the show? By doing so, you'll help other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. But as a bonus, we give you a special shout-out on our next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want from the show. We'll give you a shout-out. Everybody wins. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at MothershipPod. Or you can send us an email to mothershippod at usatoday.com. Now on to the main topic. Here's a clip. From now on, rulers will not be born. They will be chosen. On this spot are the lords and ladies of Westeros to serve the realm. I know you don't want it. I know you don't care about power. But I ask you now, if we choose you, will you wear the crown? Will you lead the Seven Kingdoms to the best of your abilities from this day until your last day? Why do you think I came all this way? That was from the final season of Game of Thrones, one of several pop culture highlights from 2019, which is also the final year of the 2010s. That's what we're here to talk about this week. We're not only going to cover the things that we love the most from 2019, but also the stuff we love the most from the decade. A lot to cover. So here's how we're going to do it. We each have our own little topic areas we cover. I focus on games, Brian movies, Kelly TV. So we're going to pick our favorite thing from those categories. Then we'll pick our other best thing, which is kind of a grab bag. Then we move into decade stuff where we just talk about the things that we loved from the 2010s. Same format. We pick each thing from our own kind of category and then we'll pick kind of the other bonus thing that we really love. So let's dig in because we got a lot to cover. Kelly, start us off. What was your best thing about 2019? Are you ready to be shocked? I'm ready to be shocked. Are you ready to be bowled over in your seats? Shocked and amazed. Drum roll, please. Playbag. No way. <laughs> Shocker. 
it's weird because Kelly has never talked about this show, no. and I'm kind of really surprised that we're hearing this for the first time. <laughs> so you really like Fleabag? I really like. I Fleabag. never knew. It's her Overwatch. It is my Overwatch. <laughs> there we go. I have been talking about Fleabag since 2016, back when only like five people on Twitter talked about it instead of everyone on Twitter. So why is Fleabag so magical? It is just a really incredibly well-written, well-acted, well-formatted piece of television this year that had incredible emotional resonance and just hit you in all the right places. It was funny. It was smart. It was sad. It was surprising. You know, the first season of Fleabag, which was in 2016, was about this woman who had a lot of problems, who was going through grief, who made a lot of very poor decisions and hated herself because of it and damaged her relationships. And it was sort of this character study of like a very messed up person, very badly trying to be better. So you don't necessarily think right away that the best sequel to that would be her falling in love with a priest. But that, in fact, was the best possible sequel for her. And it brought uh, Andrew Scott, who is has been in many, many things that are genre related, like Sherlock, Black Mirror, uh, to the forefront as said hot priest, although his character's name is really only the priest. And it was just so affecting. You know, it's one of those things that when you watch it, you feel your heart skip, you feel your breath catch. And not just in like the, you know, sexy priest moments. <laughs> well, there you go. What a lovely description. Um, Brian, what's your movie? My number of one movie is Jojo Rabbit. Caveat. Really? We should tell well, our yeah, listeners. Well, well, okay. So, yes, I have not seen Cats. <laughs> Maybe that's it. Um, and I, I see Star Wars on Monday. So and we'll, I also don't think we'll you've seen see. the Jumanji sequel either. So. Oh, yeah, I see that tonight. Which yeah. I will have already seen by this point. So I might it, it might totally be wrong. If, so, if we have to make a last-minute edit to this podcast, This is a triple I'm asterisk. I'm, triple I, asterisk. The re- I really like the first Jumanji, but I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's probably not going to be that. Um, so I feel like... There's a lot of really good films this year. A lot of really good films. Um, you know, and a lot of different kind of films. Like, if you would like to see something um, that will wreck your entire, like, mood, but is also uplifting and will never you'll never want to get a divorce ever again, I would, I would see Marriage Story. If you want to watch a mob movie for three and a half hours, The Irishman. There's many good things. But I think Jojo Rabbit really, for me... Takes the cake because it's it's so audacious. I mean, it's uh, you know Hitler's running Taika Waititi who who directed this World War II satire. He's running around as Hitler the whole time, like goofy imaginary friend Hitler. The movie's all about a little kid, you know, who a little Nazi youth ten year old who like learns empathy, like in a place where there is none, you know, where it's 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 in a place where at the time, you know, they were trying to wipe out a whole race of people. And, you know, and this kid who wants to be like part of that, he learns that love is more important than hate. And I feel like there's a lot of interesting things that it says that we all kind of need to hear right now. Um, And I think it's that's why it just really plays well for me. And the fact of like, you know, I wouldn't want to be like somebody who tries to play Hitler in 2019. Like in a movie or a TV show or anything, there's I mean, there's so much baggage there. And what he does wonderfully is he plays him as like this kind of goofy best friend life coach for for a young Jojo who's played by Roman Griffin Davis. And 
what's really interesting about how he plays him is he's so so over the top, so goofy. And yet as as Jojo learns more about love, learn to love more than hate and like and and comes to really, you know, have feelings for the the young Jewish girl who her, his mom has been keeping in their in their house, hiding her. He comes to realize that Jewish people aren't monsters, aren't like, you know, the devils that the Nazis portray them as. As they get closer and he learns about love, Hitler turns more into Hitler. Like the Hitler we see in mm-hmm. like kind of the old um, newsreels and stuff. And it's just, it's amazing to watch. And it's so satisfying. And just, it's, 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 it's crazy. It's over the top. There's like a whole thing. It's like, it's setting like the uh, Beatles, Beatles German version of like, I want to hold your hand to a bunch of people seek hiling. Like it's, it's just really, really interesting. It's kind of underrated. People are talking about the Irishman and, and, and marriage story and other things and parasite, which is also great. But like more people need to watch Jojo because it's like it's it's not only great, it's like, you know, it's kind of life altering. It will like make you think about things in a different way. Oh, wow. Very nice. Um, When I saw Jojo Rabbit and I saw the uh, I want to hold your hand bit at the very beginning, though the, the movie is audacious and there's lots of things in it that will shock you and mess with your head. The first thing I thought of was the Beatles didn't exist yet. This is the 40s. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> which obviously is not very important, but I do think it adds to the, you know, the surreality of the whole movie. And it was, it was a really cool music choice that I thought about yeah. that I don't always think about every single music choice. It makes a lot of interesting choices. Like, you know, people just go, Heil Hitler is like a, hey, dude. He, cre- he turns like so much hate into something like just throwaway and stupid. It's a choice. You know, you either take on hate with anger or you take it on with love and just kind of like and making fun of stuff that you know should be made fun of and i think it's he makes a lot of interesting choices and it really works Mm -hmm. okay so i mean let's be real i could probably pick overwatch is my game of the year every year for the last four years but i figured i should probably pick something that released this year save it but how okay how how like psyched are you for overwatch 2 though are you like? Have you pre-ordered already? Like, just, I, I have gone nuts. Well, I haven't pre-ordered it yet because I know that it kind of meshes with the original, so I'm not too worried about if I get it right away or not. But you know I am, I right am away. pretty excited. I'm on now. I probably will. You're I'm waiting for your review copy. Be honest. You don't want to pay for it. No, if we I see could, him no. get up and go like, and like exactly fly out of the newsroom real exactly. fast. <laughs> we know what's happening. Exactly. So I, you know, and and I feel like a scrub because I I didn't play as much as I would have liked to this year. But the one game that jumped out to me that I really liked was Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, um, which is an action adventure game, and you get to play a Jedi. Surprise! Um, the name of your character is Cal, and it takes place right after the events of Revenge of the Sith. So you're basically a Jedi in hiding, trying to avoid the Empire, and you're trying to restart the Jedi. Um, I really dug it. It's a really fun game. I think it brings together everything you want about being a Jedi, using force powers, lightsaber fights, everything that you would want. The thing they really add to it that makes it work is this scale where it just feels like a super big universe that you're exploring. And a lot of that goes to Stig Asmussen, who is one of the designers behind the game. He worked on God of War, which is this really popular series for PlayStation and is really incredible. You basically get to kill Zeus and do all this crazy stuff. Um, But that's part of the appeal is just you feel like you're scaling. There's these giant ad ads walking by and there's all this different, just incredible scenery that you get to take in as you're doing all this really awesome Jedi stuff. And I think it just really adds to the story and the experience. And I've just had so much fun with it. And I'm really happy to see 
Star Wars with a really good video game experience. They've had a really rough run of it with all the Battlefront games over the last few years. So it's nice to see them come back and come back strong with something really good. So that's my pick, Fallen Order. So, um, okay, let's get to now the other best thing of the year, which is kind of our grab bag category. We can pick wherever we want from wherever we want. So, Kelly, what is your choice? What is your other best thing of the year? I'm going to swerve real hard outside the usual confines of this podcast and talk about the love of my life who is not my husband, and that is Carly Rae Jepsen. Tell us how you really feel about Carly Rae Jepsen. I love Carly Rae so much. Shout out to former USA Today staffer Maeve McDermott, who introduced me to Carly Rae beyond the world of Call Me Maybe when her, I can't remember which album it was in her uh, canon, but the album Emotion came out in 2015. She kind of transformed from being a pop uh, top 40 hit artist to being this like critically acclaimed songwriters, music journalist obsessed um, and she wrote this amazing album of a lot of 80s throwbacks the same year that Taylor Swift came out with 1989, and it was so much better. Anyway, so we had to wait a long time for her next album, Dedicated, which came out earlier this year, which Spotify has told me in no uncertain terms is the thing I listened to most this year. And it met all expectations, which is really hard when there's something so acclaimed and you have to follow it up, especially in music where there's like, you're not making like direct sequels, you're not, you know, you're just working off the template of yourself as opposed to the template of like a story or something like that. So um, there was a lot of hype and it was well met. And, you know, I am still into listening to them despite the fact that I listened to them so often that I had to take a break for for worry that I would get sick of it. (laughs) Well, her career is really interesting because she could have easily fallen into the one hit wonder trap and she still would have had a good career because she still had that one like mega hit. But the fact that she's been able to continue making like really good music, I mean, it's I you know, that's really hard to do. It's really impressive on her part. I mean, it's like such a certain type of person who's really, really into her. And it feels like being part of a really fun community who understands something that everyone else could see. She's right there. She's making music with, you know, the the same big labels. And it's so good. And it's just so much more complex and interesting in terms of songwriting than a lot of other things out there. And she's a very, very good singer. Um, but she also is just such a good songwriter. And the songs really hit you. My favorite off of the album was a song called Too Much, in which she describes about feeling like she's too much of all the things in her life, too much of a personality. She does things too hard. And um, that, that hit me a little bit, a little bit right there in the chest. Oh, look at that. Right there in the feels. Right there in the feels. Um, hey, Brian, what's hey, your what? what's your other what's your other best thing of the year? Get out. What do you want? Get out. God damn it. You again. <laughs> other best thing of the year. What's your pick? Uh, so I'm going to go with like a tie for a bunch of stuff. Um, this year, TV has been really interesting because... I don't really have a favorite because it's like I've noticed that there's a lot of stuff, genre stuff that's like it's really creative. Like you go back to like Umbrella Academy and and how there's it's from a comic book and but they like have like time traveling and assassins and you know it's it's about kid superheroes but it's really not and there's you know it's there's so much kind of going on within the kind of like it does a lot of interesting things with the superhero stuff. Same with the boys. The Amazon show that again based on a comic book, it takes a lot of the kind of like what happens if like the Justice League were dicks and like normal people had to like 
kind of take him down. There's a lot of comedy. There's a lot of like interesting religious stuff with that too that I, I found really interesting. Um, we got we got to go to Watchmen again. It's like a sequel to the seminal comic book that deals with race and it deals with again mystery and you know some religion in there too. It's bad crazy. But it's a show that like manages to get better every episode. Not like almost nothing does that because usually there's like, you know, even like the Mandalorian. Like there's some episodes that are like, you know, it's full of Baby Yoda, but sometimes it's not as good with Baby Yoda. But then like watching like it's better, better, better. It's like Baby Yoda like every time. <laughs> like I would venture that Watchmen is better than even just looking at a Baby Yoda meme. This is true. This is true. Wow, that's bold. That's, that's true. I happened across this this uh, the show reprisal. I don't, I don't think Kelly likes it, but it's I really um, dislike it. <laughs> it's it's f- awesome, man. It's like the craziest thing because it's just like it's like rockabilly neo noir Mad Max with like hot rods and pinups and brass knuckles and it's just it's bet crazy but it's fun to watch it's because it's just like there's nothing like it on tv you don't you don't see like gangsters in like looking like they just came out of like a, a gas station it's just so it's just so kind of cool like you're taking a lot of the kind of the the you know weird stuff about genre and just kind of like doing something interesting with it um so that's kind of i mean those those shows are kind of my favorite because they're all kind of tied for number one but because they they all kind of do something kind of different. They're just not the same old kind of stuff. It's not like the same old spy show. It's not the same old drama. It's not the same old weepy thing. You know, it's I, I like morning show, but it's just like it's stuff we've seen before. It's just like but like Watchmen is just like it does something crazy like every every week. And it's that's kind of the special stuff. So I have been a long holdout for getting hbo even through game of thrones do i need to get it for Watchmen? is it really worth it yeah i mean do you read it read it as a kid right yeah oh yeah yeah and i'm sure there's people who watch it and didn't read the book you should um because it's just like you know it, it makes the book better like somehow it's, it's just really it's it's crazy how good it is yeah, there are a lot of shows on TV that I really don't like to give the, oh, wait a few episodes, it gets better, benefit of the doubt, especially in like the current era when there's a thousand things to watch. But HBO only gave me six episodes before I reviewed it. And I understand why, because in episode seven, there was a gigantic spoiler that they were clearly trying to keep under wraps. And while I think they should trust us to let us do it, I understand why they cut off the episode count at six. I really wish they'd given us the first eight, which I've seen now, because when Damon Lindelof said over the summer to a big group of reporters, like, listen to the whole story before you make any judgments, um, he was right. And though HBO didn't let us listen to the whole story before we were required to make judgments, (laughs) it is getting better every week and it is making the story more complete, more interesting and more compelling with every episode. And I really, I'm really into it now. And I was so ambivalent about it when I first saw it. I saw a lot of promise, but what they did in those past two episodes really cemented the overall tone for this first season. And I think I trust them now. And I didn't necessarily trust what they were doing when I had less to go on. I'm glad I only watched the first six. I think the, the cool thing about seven, both seven and eight, is the fact of like, Everybody gets to watch those in real time. And I think, you know, it's I think that's kind of neat because it's like kind of the Game of Thrones when they stop letting people watch that early. It's just like they that that those two episodes that really kind of get into like everybody needs to be talking about this. Everybody kind of needs to see that y'all kind of surprised at the same time. Mm -hmm. 
So my other pick, the original pick I had, I moved to my decade because it's totally worth it. But the other thing I picked for this year was Disney Plus, which I weirdly, I know, um, I knew it was going to be a big deal, but I didn't think it was going to be one of like my favorite things of the year, but it's actually really good. And even, I mean, obviously part of the reason why I like it is because it's got like 90% of my childhood within this one app. So, but there's a lot, even, even without a ton of original stuff, there's a lot there to take in between, you know, all the movies and TV shows that I watched as a kid, but then my kids are discovering stuff and there's just so much there to watch. And then also the Mandalorian, which I at first was a little hesitant about, but now is getting better and better every week. And I'm really enjoying it, not just for the baby Yoda stuff, but for everything else. And a lot of the hangups I had, like with, you know, the Mandalorian and his helmet and being able to evoke emotion. I feel like that's getting better. And now I'm kind of looking at it a little differently. And it's now it's becoming a lot more interesting to just kind of follow how he reacts to things. And it's, you know, again, that whole service, I, I, you know, it was like one of those things where I obviously was going to subscribe to it for everything it had. But now that it's here and now that it's working and available, I mean, I'm, I'm really surprised that they've been able to pull it off with all this hype. Okay. Since you're a tech reporter, I want to address something about Disney Plus that does not fall under my purview for what I write as a critic. Yes. It needs a keep watching tab somewhere in the interface of the app. They have added that. That's but oh, really the, I haven't been the, watching it as much recently because like my life. The problem is they need to move it higher up in the interface. So you okay. have to scroll down three or four rows to get to uh, the continue watching. They should just put it at the top row because that's, that's the first yeah. yeah, and that's the first thing you want to go to is the stuff that you were watching before. Well, so. I just remember from like the week of launch where my friend who has small children was like, they need this tab. I cannot search Mickey Mouse Clubhouse one more goddamn time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. there's oh, As a parent, there's so many worse things than Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. I can't even begin. But yeah, no, they've added that. And I think that's they're going to add new functionality to make it more easy to use and lots of other stuff. So. Yeah, I mean, we we talk a lot about how much money the companies are spending on properties for all these streaming services, but Disney spent a couple billion just on the tech behind Disney Plus. They bought that. Yeah, that was Um, originally the tech for Major League Baseball, I believe. That was their old streaming service. I think that was that. Don't quote me. I think you're right. Yeah, Um, but but on top of all that, it's compared to everything else that's out there, it's pretty cheap, and for everything they have, that's. I mean, it's 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 pretty good. Especially considering most people are getting it for free. That's another reason too. Like you know, at least depending. for a year. Yeah. So I, you know, it's. I mean, I think it was ten million, ten million signups like the first day or something. Yeah. But, the, but there's got to be at least half are like Verizon people or like yeah. you know they they've got it somehow for free. I'm going to be interested to see what happens in a few months though because you know when the Mandalorian ends its run and stuff like that like how long are people sticking around or how they're going to do all you know plus the numbers are a little weird with streaming so that's another issue yeah we don't have any really firm numbers from them but speaking to the numbers in terms of what we can see at usa today in terms of what our audience is interested in reading about from disney plus they are far more interested in reading about the archive than about the mandalorian and they knew i think they knew that going in too yeah. like everyone was going to be all and and a lot of the discussion online was about that too all the old cartoons that mm-hmm. people haven't seen in forever so you know, and it makes sense. And that's why I think Disney has such an edge because they have all that back catalog to work with. Um, okay. Now we're moving on to the decade. Best thing of the decade. Like I said, same rules apply. We're going to start with something in our topic area and then we'll jump into our kind of wild card. So, Kelly, start us off. What was your best TV of the decade? 
Also, super shocking pick. I went with my uh, surrogate parents, who are happily promoting movies right now, uh, Miss Carrie Russell and Mr. Matthew Reese and the Americans. She's in Star Wars, too. She's in Star Wars. He's in the Mr. Rogers movie. They're, They're showing up on late night talk shows talking about their relationship and their child. It's adorable. So why is Americans the best thing of the decade? So, you know, when I was thinking about the whole decade, um, TV has changed exponentially in the past 10 years. And what we, we being like the whole society and like critics and then, you know, thinking all the way down to like what I want from our TV has changed. And I think about sort of the the golden era of TV, which is what a lot of people call like Sopranos and Mad Men, which aired partially in the 2010s and Breaking Bad. Um, I really associate that era with sort of like the O's, even if a lot of them aired at the very beginning of the 10s and like the Bush era and like the Obama years. And then I think of like peak TV as what we call it when things started getting out of control even before Disney and Apple and everyone joined the mix. Uh, And you think about, like, the good fight versus the good wife in that kind of scenario. And the show that jumps out to me in terms of sort of coming above the pack and doing everything that we really like about TV, that we learned from as TV started to get better and better and better in the 21st century. And there's just no TV show that did the whole TV thing as well as The Americans. It was never trying to be a movie it was never trying to be a six-season movie. It was so good at episodes. It was so good at music direction. There are YouTube videos dedicated just to how it used Fleetwood Mac songs specifically. I can't hear the chain without picturing a very specific scene from the Americans. The acting was so impeccable. It's criminal that Carrie Russell never won an Emmy for being Elizabeth. Matthew Reese did because that year the men's category was just way less competitive than the women's, which is just, you know, expletive of something. And the writing was so good and the plotting was so good. And of all those shows that tried to make you like bad men mostly, but bad people doing bad things, The Americans is the only one, one of the only ones that asked particularly interesting questions about why and showed you why, you know, their family, they're in a marriage. It, it's it's really more a story about marriage than it ever was about spying and a really, really excellent story about marriage. And I say this as watched, having watched it mostly before marriage, but other people who have been in married longer agree. It just hit on all fronts, almost every single episode. It didn't last too long. It didn't have a bad finale. It took a little time to get going, but it didn't take forever to get going. And it's just... Something I would watch and rewatch forever. Wow. Um, okay, Brian. Best thing in the decade. Mad Max Fury Road. Wow. Excellent pick. As a movie, it's like almost perfect. I'm not a big foreign films guy. I'm not a big drama guy. I tend toward like action. <laughs> I've always tended toward that. I don't think any movie moves like it. For as much as we have like CG avatar stuff and CG everything, it is people on poles running, you know, flipping around, people driving cars way too fast. I mean, it's like it's it's very physical. Yeah, I mean, there's still visual effects, but it's just it's it's grimy. It's real. You know, the villains are crazy. You know, the heroes are nuts. 
even when it's not being an action movie, when it's like there's always emotion to it that, you know, motion or emotion, it it works. It, those two work really well together. And it's it's one of those movies where I don't think we've under, we understand how important it's going to be until like 10, 20 years when like everybody starts aping it and start when you really feel, when you really see its influence on things i think we go back to that reprisal thing you know it has customized hot rods running across a road it is trying to be mad max it is trying is pulling from that so i think we're going to start seeing more and more of that and i it's just great it's just you know as a singular movie as something that's not like part of another trilogy is part of like you know this big cinematic saga as one singular movie it is the best okay all right. Um, okay, my video game pick, shocker, drum roll. <gasps> it's Overwatch. What? Oh my god! It's a game that I've been playing nonstop. I think for like four years now. It's kind of sad, um, but no, it's yeah, it, you know I think what makes it great is the characters are so you know there's such a fun backstory without them really telling a story. So you're kind of figuring it out piece by piece as you play. But there's just so many different fun, cool characters there. I think it really, really pushes teamwork, which is something really hard to do in a sh- in a, like a first person shooter because everyone wants to be the action hero guy that does everything on their own, and instead, with this game, you have to work together. So, I think that's something you don't see a ton in a lot of these shooters, and I think it's great to see that here. And I think it's one of the reasons why I love coming back to it. And also, the game has been really good at just giving you new ways to get back into it, whether it's events. Whether it's like different like incentives, like you know, I get to dress my character up as Santa now, or I get to dress my character up as this, which sounds crazy, but in a game like this, it's actually really fun. It's one of the best parts. Um, so it's it's just got so much personality, and it's a really well put together game. And I think they've done a really good job updating it to where you continually stay interested in it. So I think that's why it's. I mean, it's been good enough. It's spawned its own professional sports league. So you know, that's got to count for something. So. Um, okay, Kelly, what is your other best thing of the decade? Uh, I'm going to go with Lady Bird, which was a Greta Gerwig-directed movie that came out two years ago starring Shirsha Ronan, not to be confused with the Greta Gerwig-directed movie starring Shirsha Ronan that's out this year, uh, Little Women. Um, but uh, Lady Bird uh, was about a high school girl set in around 2005 or so, so she's very clearly a millennial uh, in Sacramento, California, uh, it's called Ladybird because she decides that's what she wants her name to be. She's no longer Christine. She's Ladybird. She goes to a Catholic school and she has a lot of conflict with her mother and her best friend. And, you know, I've seen there have been a lot of really, really amazing movies this decade, including the only movie I've seen five times in theaters, which is the original Avengers back in 2012. Um, and obviously Star Wars and everything that Brian is going to talk about in just one second. But I think about the movie that I think about in my everyday life most frequently after I've seen it was Lady Bird. And I think it's because it speaks a lot to the dynamic that I have with my own mother. And just I think mothers and daughters in a very universal way, even if you didn't have the same kind of fights or the same kind of communication that Lady Bird and her mom, played by Laurie Metcalf, did. Um, And, you know, it's one of those movies where I started sobbing in the middle of a not sad moment. It wasn't a tragedy. Nobody died. It was just because I was so 
relating to what was happening on screen that I was like overwhelmed with how emotional the movie was making me feel. And I can't say that about any movie or really any TV show I've ever seen. Um, So I think it's amazing. And I I have a feeling that as Greta goes through her career, people are going to remember more flashy things that have Meryl Streep in them, like Little Women, but which I haven't seen and looks amazing and I can't wait to see. But I... uh, I really, really loved Lady Bird. Everyone was great in it, and it was it was really a keeper. All right, Brian, what's your pick? Uh, Star Wars. What? No I mean, way. I, oh well, I guess, we're going to do this quick. Um, I don't really count Marvel as like. I mean, it started in two thousand eight, so I think it's of like if you're going to talk about the whole millennium, it's important. But you know, from Disney buying Lucasfilm in twenty twelve to Force Awakens, just ruining every you know it's just like taking over all of pop culture in 2015 and to like i i just like it was something that i thought was dead not not like dead dead but it was just like it wasn't important to me and it brought it brought that importance back in comics novels you know just tv now with baby yoda and mandalorian and everything and i think it's it's been really interesting to kind of see how much it is. It has become important again for so many people. It has also gotten a little bit too much, and I think that's why it's not like it doesn't rise above Mad Max because I feel like there's we've had too much of it, and I, I do want it to kind of step back now that Rise of Skywalker got, ends it. It needs to step back for a little bit, and it, we need to miss it again. But just, just it, what it's it's been crazy to kind of see, just from like when they bought it to now. I mean, that's only seven years. But look at what they've done, how much money they've made, how much content they put out, how many new characters we have, how many, how many you know, young actors now have careers. It's been cool to see. I want it to go away now. But I think it's just like the, there's a magic to it that needs to come into every generation. And then this thing, it needs to kind of go back and save itself for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so my pick that I originally had was Best of the Year, but I've decided that it's probably my favorite thing of the decade is Stranger Things. No surprise. Really fun. I mean, obviously the nostalgia going back to the 80s and stuff is a big draw, but it's a really good story, and the kids involved in the show are amazing, and I love them. And I love that Winona Ryder has made this big comeback, and there's so many really cool characters beyond just the kids, like Steve Harrington and Hopper and... I mean, it's just there's so many fun, lovable characters throughout the whole series, but the story's good. And I'll admit, like, season two kind of feels a lot like season one. But then I, you know, with the third season, it really rebounded. It told a really different story. It told it in a fun, different way. And I really enjoyed it. And I think it's probably one of my favorite TV shows right now and definitely my favorite of the decade. So there you go. And now you see the Ghostbusters are going to do their own version of Stranger Things. So. Oh. You see, you now, like, the end, there's so much influence. It's, it's, it's influenced it. It's influenced like pretty much every young adult novel now. Yeah, it's crazy. It's it's wild. Even it's, though it's only been out for four, you know, three seasons, four yeah. seasons. We know that it's Netflix's most popular show. We don't know much about streaming data, but we know that hands down, absolutely. Um, okay, listeners, your turn. What's your favorite pop culture of the year and the decade? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet at us individually. I'm at Brett Molina 23. I'm at Brian Truitt. And I'm at K-Lals, K-L-A-W-L-S. Don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Uh, that'll do it this week. Thanks so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producers of The Mothership, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. 
And while you're there, leave us a rating or a review. It helps other people find the show, and we love the feedback. If Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next week, Star Wars time. Nerds out. Later. Star Wars. <laughs>